rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I'm beginning to see where people find diminishing returns in the mythology episode and how people say it doesn't really add up to anything because I don't think this episode answered really anything from the previous episode to my satisfaction. What questions did you have from Zunguska that were not answered in this episode? It's not so much questions. It's just that the whole like... Uh, oh, so black oil isn't a possession thing. It's just, you know, a biological weapon. But, you know, it was used on Mulder and then they, you know, got to, you know, they somehow gave him a drug. But then, you know, they don't have the uh, inoculation for the drug. But then if you take your right arm off, they can't experiment on you. And just, you know, what what I I, I don't really know what was going on at the end of this episode. And I found I didn't necessarily care, and it just seemed like everything was leading up to this big, big, big thing, and it didn't. And, you know, again, I am accepting that the mythology is not going to make a huge coherent point at the end. Like, I'm accepting that, but I also feel... Are you? Well, I also feel like, you know, in a two-parter, which were written... You know, which was one after the other. We don't even have the excuse of a of a you know season break in between, where it doesn't seem like the second one you know read the first episode and both were written by Chris Carter, so he has no excuse. Yeah, I mean, I think that I liked this episode more than you, and and part of the reason why I like this episode more than you is that I already know mm-hmm. what what all this means or doesn't mean in as much as any of yeah. it means anything at all, and I didn't really, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to the players in this episode and what exactly was going on, because I already kind of knew that it was all just sort of a shit show and that (laughs) none of it really matters. And it's all about mood and emotion and, you know, tone more than anything else. Like, but I guess, and maybe that's it. I felt like the previous episode had more mood and tone and this one didn't as much. I I mean, I can certainly see that. I, I, I think that Terma to me, and, and of course I think that also you can see this in the, uh, two names of the episodes, you know, Tunguska, which is very, you know, dramatic and mm-hmm. famous. And then you have Terma and you're like, what the fuck is Terma? And then it turns out that it's like a town in North Dakota. And you're <laughs> just kind of like, okay, sure. X-Files. Sure. Um, maybe that's actually like a good motto for mythology episodes in general. <laughs> sure. X-Files. Sure. But I just think that they wanted some like dramatic set pieces and they got them. I, I don't know that there's more to say about it than that. Like, yeah, it's somewhat disappointing that we don't really still have any idea about what's going on, but I don't know. I think at least to some degree, we found out that this black oil stuff is from the crater in Tunguska. And we found out that, Mulder is inoculated from it now, and we found out that Krychek doesn't have an arm. And, you know, I mean, when I think back to, to this episode in particular, I think back to individual moments like Krychek waking up to find that these, like, uh, I don't know, like, let's just call them a homosexual cult that live in the woods because uh, they're all blowing each other, right? Oh, yeah. Um, well, they aren't giving have, each other hand jobs. 
Right, yeah. Uh, they're all cutting off their left hands, so I don't know. Well, maybe, I don't know. It depends, I guess. Let's not go down that road. Uh, of Krychek waking up and getting his arm cut off, and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, and to, to a certain degree, it's all about, like, do you buy into the individual moments or not? Do you buy into the excitement of watching Mulder drive a truck down a hill for five minutes? And I don't know, I do. Like, I don't expect much from mythology episodes. Yeah. I, I think that they have very quickly... I mean, if you compare this two-parter to like a mythology episode from the first season, I think it's very obvious that what Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz are doing in these mythology episodes is using these shows' increased budget and using the show's increased uh, ability to put on these elaborate set pieces like the car chase or you know Krychek getting his arm cut off or whatever um and just going with it and if it doesn't ever really add up to anything if it doesn't provide any answers like i'm with you it doesn't and but at a certain point you just have to kind of be okay with it i guess and i guess part of me is not sure what part of it is just it doesn't provide answers and part what part was stuff i didn't miss or didn't understand because i mean again the black oil that we'd seen possessed people, right? Like that it made them actually act under its influence. And now we see a whole nursing home full of people who are black oiled without even seeming to realize it. You know, we see Mulder gets it and he's just like sickened for a bit or whatever. Um, so I don't, and, and again, in these cases, they're getting inoculation. So maybe it's at least partially working against them. You know, maybe. I, I, I think that's what the implication is. Yes. And so I think that, I don't know. The the one piece of information that I think we do get in this episode is, you know, the the conversation that the the cigarette smoking man has with the well manicured man, where he says, "Oh well, you know, we can't have the Russians find out that we're working on our own inoculation." Mm-hmm. So, assumedly, that is, I guess, the United States. Let's let's say, um, or the Western world, or whatever. Yeah. Um. You know, also the- in. Well, with all the Cold War references that are going on, and the fact you know the Cold War is still happening, you know okay it's russia versus the u.s like I'll yeah like that. i mean i don't know how much we want to take that as a literal line or not but i, I think yeah. that if you just take it as like well the cold war is still happening because they're trying to figure out what to do about these aliens that like want to take over the world or something i mean we still don't really know what the aliens want at this point but it doesn't seem good for humanity um and it doesn't seem like russia and the u.s are working together against the aliens let's put it that way right so I mean, I don't know that I really want to spend a lot of time like trying to piece this together and tracking the, the, the bits of, of data that we have so far. But at least to some degree, I think we did get that bit of information yeah. that the black oil is is some sort of sentient infection that is is extraterrestrial in origin that, that crashed to Earth in Tunguska in 19, I think 1939, 29, I forget what year it was, um, 1919, I don't know. 1748 let's just keep rattling off years um and they want inoculation against it because they don't want the earth to be taken over by the alien black oil all right that all makes sense to me um i don't necessarily know why they don't want the russians to know they're working on an inoculation that's like the bit of i mean well actually i do know why but i don't (laughs) want to tell you why uh, and I don't know. I guess it's just that's what it is. And the rest of it is all just set dressing for what? 
Yeah, well, and let me ask my other actual question is what is the business with the arms? Like I I think, I don't know for sure, but I I I think that uh that is supposed to be something to do with these smallpox vaccinations that everybody got, right? And mm. so they're using the smallpox vaccination scar in some way to run these tests on these men. And so I guess if they cut off their arms and no longer have a smallpox inoculation scar, they can't be experimented on. Okay. That was my read on it. Sure, that's that's fine. That's fine. Um I I I guess what's disappointing is me me is that there's just little I feel like talking about on this episode, and I worry that this is going to be what's happening on the mythology episodes. To some degree, yes. Okay. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that, that we need to, like, fill time. No. It's just because, you know, we don't have a lot to say because it's a mythology episode. Like, you know, but I, I, do th- I do think that you are seeing the X. Ex- I mean, I, I said last week that these are sort of funhouse rides, these mythology episodes. And I think to a certain degree that that's what you have to expect out of them. Like, in a similar way to how I mean, we we you've compared this show to Lost before, yeah. Where Lost was another show that was very imbued with secrets and very imbued with these mysteries, and it kept people waiting and waiting and waiting for for seasons and seasons and seasons to find out what exactly was happening. And the the you know the producers, I think probably at least to some degree. Uh, chastened by the way that the X-Files spun out of control and the way that the audience kind of turned against the show, frankly, um, in the later seasons because they weren't getting answers, that they they had sort of, you know, uh, promised that they were going to get answers and all the, all the answers would be, would be uh, uh, you know, all the questions would be answered at the end of Lost. And, of course, none of that was true. And the, the show fell apart very quickly, um, more quickly than the X-Files, I think. Yeah. I just don't know that it I don't care. Like that's the thing. I mean no, like of course. I don't watch television because I want a good plot. And I was listening to um a, a podcast. I don't listen to every episode of it because I don't necessarily find all the topics in it to be something that I, I, I care about. But if I find a, a topic interesting, I'll listen to it. And it's um I find I think it's called I Find You Interesting or I Think You're Interesting. Um, it's a, a Vox podcast or a Panoply podcast. I don't know what the fuck it is. Uh, Todd Vanderwerf, who used to write for okay. the AV Club, hosts it. And uh, it's good. It's fine. Um, but he was uh, interviewing someone who was talking about like the year in Hollywood and the year in movies and all this kind of stuff. And the, his guest made a very interesting point where he said that, and I had never heard it put in quite this um, put in quite this way before, but I think it really... Uh, tracks on things that we've said over the years that we're more interested in character than plot that you know he said that he thinks that network executives are really pushing this plot stuff because they think that's how people get involved but when he thinks back to shows when anybody thinks back to, to shows that they really really like that they really were invested in that they're a fan of that they have fond memories of it's never plot stuff. You never think about, oh, remember when this thing happened? Um, it's all character stuff. You know, you think about how people were feeling, how episodes made you feel, how character moments made you feel. You remember bits like that a lot more than you remember the individual pieces of plots. And I think that's really right. And I think that's 
why these mythology episodes are becoming increasingly uninteresting is that they don't really contain anything other than plot. And so there's nothing for us to really remember. Yeah, I mean, what I liked about this, I mean, I really loved Scully in this episode, you know, dealing with the, you know, Senate committee and being in prison and, you know, figuring that stuff out. I mean, that that's the interesting part. Like, the, the standout moment of that is, you know, when she's at saying, I, I can't answer that question, I can't answer that question, and, you know, Mulder says, oh, well, you can't answer what question? question and you know she lights up and you know like that that's the moment that i liked in this episode yeah those yeah that and that's exactly right like because those are character moments those are moments that are built on the relationships that we have developed with Mulder and scully over the past three and a half years and skinner too i mean skinner was very good in this episode and and in the next episode as well and jesus christ that episode but we'll talk about (laughs) that in a minute and that's the part of my you know, bleh on this is I'm really excited to talk about Paper Hearts, but. But I think that you're right. Like that is part of it that, that is very strong, but, but it's also just tempered by the fact that, that it, it all just leads to nothing. It's you, 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 I don't know. I guess I'll just ask you this question outright. Like, do you feel like you're being played at this point by the mythology episodes? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I think part of it is just simply like, I can deal with a funhouse ride. I didn't like this funhouse ride. I liked uh, Heronvoke's funhouse ride. I liked Tunguska's funhouse ride. Like, this one just, you know, didn't do it for me. I didn't find the thrills, you know, I- I- interesting. It's it's possible that the next one, I'll be right with it again, you know? it And the reason, you know, may not necessarily be because I didn't get the answers that I wanted, but just because... I didn't click on what the, you know, I didn't click to these particular set pieces, you know, it's, yeah. you know, common comrade Krychek. Yes, that's interesting, but it's not like the holy shit, you know, Mulder's escape from the thing. I'm thinking, why did he crash the van? Why didn't he just, you know, continue going out of the woods in that, you know, like stuff like that. I guess it's, and, and I guess that was it. This is not an episode that the set pieces were built from character motivation. They just kind of came on their own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do remember little bits, though. I mean, I, I, I like Mulder's, uh, you know, very ballsy escape, for instance, where he just kind of goes, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I do like the repeating motif of the Soviet, uh, you know, the, the retired Soviet agent going around and, and basically just showing everybody else up by uh, completing his very elaborate missions and then fucking back off to the to the Soviet Union. Well, not the Soviet Union, uh, fucking back off to to um, to Russia. You know, those, those are nice. And I think that like that guy just kind of in a certain sense is almost a commentary on mythology episodes where it's kind of like, yeah, you can really do this very easily. And here's how you do it. Yeah. You know, you're, you guys are bumbling. Like, you're not good at this. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I don't know what Scully thinks is going to happen. Yeah. I, like, I, she's she's just very like, I would. I think there's secretive forces in the world that are bad, and you should stop it because you're the government. And you're <laughs> like, what? I mean, I am not someone... I mean, I'm a socialist, for Christ's sake. Like, I am someone who believes in the power of government. But, you know, I also think that Scully's not that naive right like uh, well i i i the, the I only thing that she could have done is like stood up and started like reciting the pledge of allegiance or something i mean it, <laughs> it, it, it's just so ridiculous well i guess that's the question does the x-files believe in america or not i mean does it believe <laughs> well. that 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, this is the question. Does it believe that there is a core of good America that has certain cancers at the heart of that, whether that is, you know, a corrupt family like in home or certain monsters or, you know, corrupt senators or people that are evil working for the FBI? Or does the or does it believe that the whole damn thing is rotten and that these things are not anomalies but are manifestations? And I don't know if I can quite answer that question yet. Yeah, I think that that'll probably become more clear. Say, like maybe after the fifth season. Okay. Um, and maybe we can put a pin in that question until then because that's a, a very very large question that. Um, I think is difficult for us to answer because we just don't have the information right now. Yeah, but I think it is one that the show is certainly asking, at least. You know, if 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 season five starts to provide answers to that, seasons one through four have been saying, all right, let's look at this thing called America. Stuff's fucked up. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I will say about that, and this is more of a sidestep than an answer, but I, I do think that both Mulder and Scully do believe in america i mean i think Mm -hmm. that that's the point of those congressional scenes if there is any point aside from dramatic tension when Mulder shows up at the end because you know i don't think that scully would would do that unless she did believe that these men were, were capable of doing the right thing and you know the other part of that too of course is that i think the x files has always been very strong about the 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 belief that the American government, the forces that are behind this conspiracy have somehow corrupted or mm. taken over, uh, you know, the government and have taken oh. over the governments of the world. And so it's up to like the good people in the world to really, you know, fight back and stuff. Now, of course, it's tempered by the fact that Mulder and Scully are FBI agents. And, mm-hmm. if, you know, you, th- this is like layers upon layers. But I, I do think there's a little bit of that there. Um, I also don't think that it's coincidental that. You know, and we'll see this in in Paper Hearts, but uh, the reminder that what was Mulder doing on the night that his sister disappeared? He was watching the Watergate hearings. Like, this is a very, very strange man who had very formative experiences that were founded upon conspiracies and you know government agents and and people in positions of power really just falling down and not you know holding up to their end of the bargains in a real mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything else to say about Terma. Let's terminate this discussion. <laughs> very very well done. Well, before we move on to Paper Hearts, I do want to take an opportunity to remind all of you that tuning in is listener supported. If you would like to give us a little bit of financial support, we would very much appreciate it. There are costs associated with this podcast. Go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. All right, let's talk about Paper Hearts, which I think is the first great Vince Gilligan episode. I was about to say that. Like, I know you like, I had some problems with Van Ruhe, but. Finally, Vince Gilligan has become Vince Gilligan, like the butterfly has gotten out of the cocoon. Um, it all has to do with the villain in this episode, and it, and a lot of that is performance. I think the guy who is who plays him was wonderful in this, and the villain in and Ruhe was just kind of there. Um, but that is, I mean, talk about character. What what we remember the most about Breaking Bad is. It's parade of extraordinarily charismatic villains, like people who are just absolutely the worst of the worst, just horrible, damned people. Uh, 
that you can't help but watch because either they're so you know intense or they're so handsome or they're so exciting or they're you know very articulate or whatever um like watching Roche this guy's a fantastic salesman i mean he's really you know the, to look at him is nothing but he just gives it such a an a weird energy to the role you can't help but watch him and you can't help but get drawn and taken in by him yeah yeah certainly i mean i i I think that i mean i disagree with you a little bit i i I don't think it's all dependent on the villain i think that um, no and david duchovny does some really good work in this episode you know he is certainly someone who whose acting minimalism has been questioned before but i think it really works to this episode's advantage you know i think that there's at least really one good Mulder and scully scene which just drop makes my jaw drop every single time i watch it which we'll get to because it's just such a wonderful wonderful um reading of both characters uh, and i'm being a little oblique so i'm not ready to talk yeah. about it yet but we will talk about it this is really an episode you can chew on like there is yeah. there's an atmosphere of tension of disappointment of hope of 17 different emotions running throughout this episode and this is a very dense episode it's very meaty uh you can also tell that it's probably getting to be time for my dinner uh and it's just it understands the x-files it yeah unders- and it specifically understands the character of Mulder. i think in a way that is so striking and also has this very, very strange surrealism at the core of it. Yeah. I mean, there is something almost blasphemous in this episode that it dares to question one of the most central tenets of the X-Files, which is that Mulder got on this path that he got on because at one point his sister was kidnapped by aliens. That's something which has been all but confirmed in this series. You know, I, th- I, I, I he has gotten as much of a confirmation that, you know... She has been kidnapped either by aliens or by the government, but it has to do with aliens, but she was definitely kidnapped as part of the conspiracy. She belongs to the mythology episode. She has to do with that. And the fact that this episode makes Mulder and us question, well, was she just kidnapped and tortured and killed by some random asshole? Like, the fact that it makes that serious question is what's really disturbing about this episode. Yeah, and it does such a good job of of, of making us yeah. not believe that, but but question that. I think is is the real the the real brilliance of this episode. That you know, the X Files is a show. You know, what what is the tagline at the beginning? Right, I want to believe, and this is an episode which is very much predicated on I don't want to believe yeah. that, that Mulder doesn't want to believe that this is true. But there is a part of him that that believes it's true, and and I think that that in a weird way. You could say that this is a repudiation of the entire Samantha narrative. Of course, it's not, uh, because at the end of it, it's revealed that, um, you know, uh, John Lee Roche is, is, is essentially fucking with Mulder. Um, but it's it's just so well constructed and so well done. I mean, I guess let's talk about the the scene that I'm thinking about, because... There's that moment in the middle of the episode where Mulder and Scully are running around and they're, you know, saying this and that. And Scully is giving her very reasonable objections to what Mulder is saying. And Mulder's kind of buying into it, which is something he does sometimes because you need to have Scully win some of the time or the show becomes uh, uh, uninteresting. And and Mulder asks the question, you know, he 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 literally asks Scully, 
you know, did you, have you ever thought that my sister was abducted by aliens? And that's not even the most brilliant part of that scene. It's the, it's the follow-up question, which is, what do you think happened to her? And, you know, it's such a brilliant thing to write. And it's such a brilliant thing to put in this episode because Scully has no answer. Scully mm-hmm. doesn't answer him. She, she, the scene just ends. It's enough that the question has been put out there. Yeah. Yeah. That they, like I said, it's, it's blasphemous. It's questioning one of the prime things of this. Uh, and the fact that there can be a horrible and mundane answer to all of this is the, I've talked a lot about how the horror of at least the mythology episodes is that the Hydra has so many heads and that every time you cut one off, like five more spring up, that there is this thing that is being built. But what if all of this is built out of nothing? What if it is a misremembering on Mulder's part that, again, his sister was kidnapped by a random asshole and that he has built this up into this crusade against something that isn't there and that part of the reason that they never can find any evidence is because what he is chasing doesn't exist and his desire to believe has... I mean, this is another episode where they talk about you know, Mulder's willing to just kind of go with what's, you know, in front of him, you know, and episodes like Grotesque have shown him taking it into some dark and violent places, but this is him being, this is him following and making a beeline for the trail that goes against everything that he has believed. He is normally willing to go into these dark and horrible and supernatural places. The fact that in this episode he's willing to go into the mundane place where he's just you know this dream is happening because it's his subconscious telling him something and samantha was kidnapped you know and killed rather than by aliens the fact that he is willing to go in that that he is almost willing to recant everything is what's really disturbing in this episode to some degree yes but but i i i I do i don't know i want to i want to put a pin in that a little bit because or not put a pin in it but i i think just kind of I don't know what the metaphor I'm looking for is, but you know what I mean? Because I think that for me, Mulder has always been a character, which yes, he is very, very devoted to his uh, uh, theories of the supernatural and aliens and abduction and all that kind of stuff. But at the Mm. same time, we have seen episodes where Mulder's like, fuck all that. Like this, this guy's a serial killer or whatever. Right. I mean, he, he certainly is not uh, half cocked. He, he has all of his faculties and, yeah, I think but- that this is an episode which which is that Mulder where he has an he has experience with this guy. Let's not forget. I mean, he 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 did work on the case before. He got called in to do a profile of this guy, which helped them catch him. And when he is put forward with this evidence, you know, I think that it's to Mulder's credit that he entertains the possibility and that he is willing to. Uh, uh, go down a road that could fundamentally alter the belief system that he has based his entire career and life around. Yeah, and that is a fair point, and that is, that kind of does, I mean, maybe that is some of Scully's uh, influence, right? Like, again, she always talks about science as, you know, we can find a piece of evidence that changes everything, and, you know, we do need to shift our worldview in order to make that make sense. Again, Scully may not believe that Samantha was kidnapped by aliens, but if she sees a bunch of aliens and she sees a bunch of, you know, and she sees Samantha captured by them, maybe she'll rethink that. She just needs to have the proof. 
But I don't think, I mean, I want to go back to that scene, though, because it's such a good question for Mulder to ask. I don't know that it's necessarily true that Scully has never believed that Samantha was abducted by aliens. I think that, you know, my my whole joke about the X-Files is that, you know, like Scully is like, you'll see this later but essentially she's like the first you know two or three seasons she's like no no it's not aliens come on don't be ridiculous and then the middle portions of the of the series she's like well maybe it's aliens (laughs) and then by like season nine she's like it's definitely aliens and you know you'll see that evolution in her character but you know she is she is in the portion of maybe it's aliens like she has seen enough that and i think that aliens also make sense to her they 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 can slot into her scientific worldview because the yeah. existence of extraterrestrials would be a scientific fact. It is not uh, uh, contradicted by any science that we currently know. It's certainly not the case that it's the same thing as like a bunch of other random shit that goes on every week in the X Files about like zombie. Well, yeah, like zombies or you know voodoo magic or you know fluke ma- whatever it is, right? Yeah, I and- mean that's. Well, I mean, that's the, the Mulder's rant. You know, I let's talk about Terma for a second. Uh, his rant in court where he's saying like, well, you know, every scientific mind thinks, you know, aliens can exist and stuff. And they pan over to Scully and she is not horrified by this. She's not embarrassed for Mulder. Like she is with him. He is say, he is saying truth. Like he is saying stuff that she does agree with. And she. Yeah, that, would that, be, that's the rare like Mulder uh, uh, yeah. monologue that doesn't have him come across as unhinged. <laughs> Yeah, like when he started, I'm like, oh, God, Mulder's going off again. But no, he actually makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I I think it is significant that he's asking this question to her at the maybe it's alien stage, because if he had asked that to her in season one, it would be a very different question. Yeah, it would it would be it would be a very different question in its intent. And I think that her answer would be different. I think that, you know, first season or second season, Scully would have maybe tried to answer the question in some way by sidestepping it. Season four, Scully doesn't really say anything and she doesn't really say anything, I think, because she doesn't have an answer for him because she has probably changed her mind, frankly. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the <laughs> term again, you know, talking about ads, asking a question that you know the answer to or you don't know the answer to whatever. I think he's asking that question of her because maybe he doesn't know anymore whether she believes it or not. And Season I, one, he knew for a fact she doesn't believe it's aliens, but now he's not even sure of that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think in a lot of ways, Scully is his uh you know his signpost you know she grounds Mulder, and he is someone who we know can really go off the rails can really go off in some some crazy flights of fantasy that can get him in some very severe trouble i think to some degree it can be argued that um he gets in trouble in this episode for precisely the opposite but it is the case that he is looking to scully for some sort of help here that he doesn't want this to be true he doesn't want it to be true that uh this this serial killer abducted and murdered his sister and that would affect his life and worldview in ways that are you know fundamentally scary to him uh on a on a you know existential level i think i mean this is a very this is an episode about existential level threats 
And yeah, I mean, that's the conversation that he has with the, you know, the father of that girl when they visit at the beginning where he's saying, you know, I used to think that missing was worse than dead because, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know where she is, but, you know, this is final. I'm going, you know, this is horrible. And, you know, he knows exactly how she died and that she died badly. And, you know, for Mulder to deal with that, yeah. Right, because, I mean, I don't think that Mulder is he just he he wouldn't be able to do it i don't think i think mm-hmm. he would probably fall apart you know there this is a man who can can go off to russia and be kidnapped by you know russian mobsters and be experimented on and and you know go back you know and just like cra- do crazy shit like that um and he comes out of it mostly unscathed it shows up at congress freshly shaved with a nice suit on and and gives very cogent points about you know their their bullshit uh, but but when he is confronted by his sister and the fact that he might be fundamentally just at odds with what he thought happened, he he can't handle it. Well, yeah, because the first thing is something that he understands, right? He understands aliens. He understands the supernatural. He understands monsters. And he understands that, you know, there are conspiracies to deal with this and that all of this happens. But, you know... I think for everything that it said that Mulder's able to get inside the heads of these killers, I think fundamentally he will never cross that line and that he just doesn't get how, you know, maybe he can, you know, understand a person enough to know where they hid the bodies, but to actually pull a trigger on a little girl, I don't think he can do that. I don't think he wants to. And yeah, that also to me, I mean, the the, the structure of the episode is also so interesting because you know, the cold open opens with Mulder having this dream sequence and then, you know, going to the park and the body is being dug up and Scully arrives. You know, this is the first cold open in, in a very long time that um, features either of Mulder and Scully. I mean, you know, the standard X-Files oh, yeah. cold open is, oh, weird thing happens. And then, you know, after the after the credits, Mulder and Scully are there. So the, the the very structure of this episode, and I think this is something that we have to credit Vince Gilligan for, of course, is that it it really foregrounds this as Mulder's story, as Mulder's yeah. episode. You know, this is an episode which is saying these characters are what is important about this show, and there are ways to tell very detailed stories about their backstory and their beliefs. Uh, in a very, very organic fashion that is surprising. I mean, I think that, you know, it's nice that the show can still surprise us like this. I mean, this isn't a weird episode. This isn't a funny episode. This isn't like a, you know, tonally off episode. This is a very on point episode of the X-Files. This is played very straight, but it is fundamentally questioning the the very nature of, of the show. Well, yeah. And, I appreciate its ability to be deconstructive without being uh, disrespectful or experimental. You know, this is not Darren Morgan's take on the X-Files, but I think Vince Gilligan has figured out what Vince Gilligan's take on the X-Files is. Yeah, I I think that's really right. I mean, I, I... You know, you can say a lot about Darren Morgan, and we have. You can say about you can yeah. say a lot about Glenn Morgan and James Wong, and we have. You know, those are people that I don't know that they necessarily like the show they write for. I think Vince Gilligan likes this show, and I think Vince Gilligan likes these characters, and I think that you're right. Like he understands how to deconstruct, how to sort of you know pop the balloon of the X Files 
without disrespecting it while still honoring its core truths and while still really respecting all the characters in it. Yeah. At the end of the day, Mulder is always going to be somebody who is going to follow whatever tells him to follow to find out a horrible truth. Now, what do you make of the dream stuff, though? Because it's never really explained. And And I liked that about it, actually. I mean, number one, the dream sequences themselves, I loved their subtlety. They're great. They're great. Yeah, this is no, this is something which was done with a laser pointer and a couple of stencils, right? Like it was not a you know, it's not a big you know extravaganza thing. It's very subtle. It's a very subtle episode, and you know, yes, there you know Mulder spews out, which I think even he even knows is kind of bullshit about. Well, there's this nexus, and we're connected <laughs> through it, you know. But who knew that you know, Mulder it, was a Jungian? Yeah, I mean, it's possible that, I mean, because Vince Gilligan's episodes have had, you know, people who have some kind of psychic thing but are unaware of it. That's what Enruhe was about. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it is possible that, you know, somehow Roche is able to click on to is psychically doing it. But it is just as possible that he's done a lot of really weird research on him, you know? I, and... You know, you say he's fucking with him. It is p- the episode almost does leave the possibility that he did kill Samantha, and that's who the you know last heart belongs to. That he does know that it's not the right house, and he's fucking with him to fuck with Mulder some more. You know, it, it is it is possible, and I mean, this episode is about you know the show is about unexplainable phenomena, right? I mean, UFO, an un- unidentified flying object, but there is just, you know, there is, of course, the caveat to UFO that just, that could be a plane that we don't know what, what it is. It could be a weather balloon. We just haven't identified it yet. It could be something completely mundane. Inexplicable con- phenomena could be something that just, we haven't figured out exactly what it is yet. Mm-hmm. We don't know how he managed to research all of this, but it's possible he did. And it's possible that he is somehow tapping into Mulder, that he, you know, knows about this. I mean, the bit about the vacuum cleaner is the one, is the odd, oddly, the detail that is completely doesn't work, right? Like, that, that I mean, that I, I don't mean doesn't work in the sense that it doesn't make sense, but that's the sticking point. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, Lord Kimboat moment of this episode, where it's, but how would he know something? How could you research that? Something Mulder doesn't even know. Something that's been buried in the basement for 30 years, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, I think that that's why the episode is so smart, because it does leave mm-hmm. that door open. Where you could you could also argue that, uh, you know, Roche was, was throwing dice and, and, and hedging his bets, you know? It, yeah. It, it, it would not be uncommon for a husband in the 70s to buy a vacuum cleaner for his wife from a door-to-door salesman. You know, like... And I think that was part of the reason for Roche's line when they're in the house at the end of the episode, you know, like, oh, your your parents were next door playing Pinochle or whatever people did back yeah. then. Because this is, you know, this is a man who has been in prison for a number of years. And so he would have a very strong memory of the culture of, of, of the place that he yeah. used to live in because he doesn't have one now, you know, it, it, it's, he doesn't really know what's yeah. going on outside of prison anymore. And I think that's, what's so smart about it is that it, it, it leaves both doors open and it 
doesn't, I mean, you could make a cogent argument for either one of them, honestly. I mean, I think yeah. that's right. Like, even at the end of this episode, after everything that happens and after the dream sequences, which are unexplained, but, you know, they, they give some yeah. sort of explanation for them, which may or may not be true. Uh, I think it's really just more about making Mulder feel better than, than not. Uh, at the end of the day, Roach still could have murdered Melissa. We don't know. Yeah. And... I think that's he the, could have even stalked her. He could have sold the vacuum cleaner, but just didn't manage to. You know, what if you know they, they? What if the door was locked and he decided not to kick in the door that night? Like, what if Hughes was watching? This could all be happening. I think that's the. Right, I think it's the right call not to answer that question. Yeah, and I also think that you know, like they could very definitively have answered this question if they had found the remains of the last victim, uh, mm-hmm. but they never will unless somebody happens upon it by accident. Uh, which is unlikely because Mulder murdered him at the end of the episode yeah. uh, to save that little girl, which of course is the right call. But yeah, of course that that is also a very definitive capper on ever finding out definitively what happened, and it also leaves the door open, of course, for Mulder to continue his search for Melissa in the avenue of Samantha. The, sorry, Samantha. I keep saying Melissa. Um, That's Scully's sister. Leaving the door open, of course, for Mulder to to continue his search mm-hmm. for Samantha. Um, in the vein of mythology or in the vein of this alien conspiracy. I do want to briefly talk about Skinner in this episode because Mm. I wonder what you make of Skinner now that he has become invested in the conspiracy in a way that he wasn't early on, but he's still kind of a hard ass to his agents. Well, you know, again, from Skinner's point of view, Mulder hits somebody in custody. That's a bad thing. You know, Mulder is getting fucked up by this case that he already solved. Mulder is getting, you know, too close to it based on personal uh, emotions. Mulder lets the guy out of jail behind his back. Mulder lets the guy escape. Mulder lets the guy kidnap a little girl. Like, all of these things are that Mulder does are really bad things. Like, it, 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 it is only by the skin of his teeth that the little girl ends up okay at the end and now he's got to explain why somebody who was formerly in custody two days ago is dead right skinner's got to deal with that skinner's got to explain that and you know much as he is on scully and Mulder's side much as he will use all of his power to go to bat for them most much as he will you know help them as he can they make his job really difficult. <laughs> like, you know, imagine, uh, again, I think we said this before, Skinner has other agents. Mulder is, you know, 90% of his paperwork. All right, well, I think the last thing I want to mention before I wrap this episode up is that the big break in the case for the first time, and you knew it was going to happen eventually, Hollyville, Delaware. Finally, Delaware has a, uh, has, has a role in a television show. It was bound to happen. I believe that Delaware was also briefly in another previous episode of the X-Files. Uh, Wilmington was a was a featured player in an episode. Now we have Hollyville, Delaware, uh, which is downstate, uh, far away from me, or as far as you can get, is still be in the same So about state. 25 minutes from you. No, it's like an hour and a half. All right. Oh, wow. Uh, New Jersey's not that big either, my friend. Hey, it's um, like three hours to get across the state. Oh, well, three. To get across the state, three hours? I don't think so. Down the state. Down the know. state. Okay, there you go. Uh, I don't remember if Delaware appears again in the X-Files, but uh, 
I just needed to mention that because I am from Delaware. All right, well, that's it for Tournament Paper Hearts. If you would like to leave a comment on the episode, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuningandshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckabout. It also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. We are talking about the Star Trek Voyager episodes, Day of Honor and Nemesis this week. So please do go check that out as well and go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Tuning in Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. Next week, we are going to be talking about the episodes El Mundo Gira and Leonard Betts. Mac, why do you...